Well, we're in our second part of a series we've just decided to call Filled. And uh, most people want a full life. I mean, one of the, the, the desperate places that people hit is when they feel empty. Emptiness is just, we just, we just hate it. These vacuums are created and this void is there and we just, we just despise it and things begin to come in and we try to fill them up on some level. And that's because God's wired us for that. He wants us to have full lives. So if you've got your notes open, let's just get this rolling. <clears throat> I wrote here that we were created to have lives of meaning and purpose. Folks, full lives. And Jesus came to humanity so that the emptiness created by being separated from God could be filled with life. Every moment that we keep God pushed out of an area of our life, it creates emptiness there. It creates emptiness. If we won't let him invade our marriage, it will create emptiness there. If it, we don't let him invade our finances, it will create emptiness. If we don't let him invade the way we think and the way we operate, it will create emptiness there. But when we say yes to him, we embrace him, we're heaven ready, but there can still be some empty spots. And he doesn't want us, those empty spots to stay empty. He wants us to have life and have it to the full. <clears throat> John 10.10, 10, this is a scripture we'll hit all series long. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. I hate this part. As your pastor, I hate it. I hate it that there's an enemy that, that, ha that just can't stand you and wants to steal and kill and destroy in your life. I hate it. But this part is what gives me the courage to stand up here and to, and to talk to you and, and to be c connected with you because that's not the way it has to go. It doesn't have to go that way. <clears throat> Jesus tells us here that I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. Not just a little morsel, not just a little nibble. I tell you what, we, one of those things, you know, life's good and we'll take it where we can get it. But we want it fullness. We want it everywhere. We want it in our whole lives and that's what God wants for us as well. And Romans 15, 13 begins to give us this, this idea of, of, of how life really begins to invade us as believers. <clears throat> and Paul is sitting here and, and he's talking to the believers in Rome. And he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Part of what God wants us to be full of is joy and peace. I don't think there's anybody here that says, you know what? I just don't want that. I don't want to be. I don't want to be full of joy. I don't want to be full of peace. I, I like a little bit of anxiety in my life. It's, it's just nice to worry a little bit. It's nice to be just a little bit miserable here and there. I don't want any joy. No, we want this. We're wired for this. My goodness. Well, this, is, this is what we want. And he says that God fill you with all joy and peace. How? How? Is it just God just dumps it on you whether you want it or not? Like we take Colin and give her her medicine. We have to get her little face and give it to her whether she wants it or not. No. It's as we trust in him. As you trust in him. That's why we talk about it all the time. That we want you to know God better and trust him more. As you trust him in that area, life, joy, peace, the fullness of God begins to invade the emptiness of that area. As you begin to trust him on that front, it begins to do it. It just begins to, to permeate. And look, the verse goes on to say, so that you may overflow with the <coughs> hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
this fullness, it doesn't just kind of stop there at the little top. It overflows. And years ago, we, we had a, a uh, connection with an overflow of a different kind of joy. But it helps this. How many of you uh, ever washed your dishes with a little bit of joy? Now, I'm not talking about, ooh, this is awesome. No, I'm talking about the stuff, the stuff about the store. You squeeze it, it's joy. And uh, so we were newly married, and I was more ignorant than I am now. And, uh, and so uh, I'm on a perpetual quest to be less and less ignorant in life. And uh, thank goodness. And um, God says that we per perish for lack of knowledge. That's ignorance, folks. And... Uh, Anyway, so we had run out. I was doing the dishes. I was being a good husband. We were living in uh, some apartments at ASU that don't even exist anymore. Keenan was real little. My 17-year-old boy that plays up here, he was real little. I mean, he was just like, was he crawling or was he walking? And I think he was walking. And uh, anyways, but he was real little. And so we ran out of the cascade. We ran out of that stuff. So this stuff gets your dishes clean. No problem. I reach over there and get the joy stuff, and I give the, the little container. Cutie always would take the cascade, fill it up. So I take the joy, and I fill it up. Shut it. Turn it on. We go run errands. We're out of here. We leave. So we come back, and we bring uh, Keenan in, put him down on the ground. He's walking around. Keenan, for whatever, for some reason, um, he loved to play with potatoes as a kid. I don't know why. He always had his best friend, Potato. And he would have a potato. He would carry this potato, and they'd start to get rotten, and we'd have to throw it away. And he would bite the potatoes. You wouldn't want to be Keenan's friend when he was that old. And um, anyway, so he'd go to the kitchen where we keep the potatoes. And he goes into the kitchen, and all of a sudden, we hear some fun noises coming out of there. They shouldn't be coming out of the kitchen. And we go into the door of the kitchen, and there's Keenan. In a winter wonderland. I am not joking. That apartment wasn't very big. So it didn't take a whole lot of suds to make it happen. But I'm telling you. That whole floor. That whole floor had suds this deep. On the whole floor. There were. There was the old school. Didn't have the cool little nice little digital buttons. It had the old clunker buttons. On that dishwasher. And there were suds. I kid you not. The little space around the buttons. There were suds coming out. Of every nook and cranny of that thing. It was just, there were suds everywhere. And I opened that sucker up, and you can't see the dishes. It is solid wall of white suds. And I'm telling you, we had to run that thing. We ran it again, ran it again. Stuff came out of it for about four or five cycles. That joy overflowed into our kitchen. It produced joy in Keenan, because he got to play in the bubbles. And uh, my wife uh, thought I was kind of dumb, so my, I went down a little bit. And, uh, and so, but man, that, for, that is forever stuck in my mind. Every time I read this passage of Scripture, that comes to my head of this creating this overflow. That it begins to infect other areas of our lives. We try to maybe isolate it, think it's just going to stay in there. But no, it begins to overflow and spill out of everything. Spill out of everything. You ever found people that are just real full of joy and it just becomes invasive? You ever found it where you're in a bad mood and you're around somebody who's full of joy and you don't even like it? 
their joy is starting to mess with your bad mood. And when those collide and it's trying to push your bad mood out, there can be some collision there because it's overflowing and it's having its effect and it's, it's impacting. That is what the joy of the Lord should do in our lives. Folks, believers, if we're known for nothing else, we ought to be known as joyous people. We ought to be known. If our life ends now, we're going to a much better place. We have hope and, and, <clears throat> and connection with God in this life. That all alone, all by itself, ought to fill us with joy. It should change everything. See, God's joy can be consistently full in our lives, even though things that make us unhappy will still happen. So many times we get this concept, and we go, and you even look up in the thesaurus, and it'll say joy, and you look some synonyms up, and happy's going to be one of them. And the thing is, when we look at biblical joy, it is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something God grows. It's something that goes deep down on the inside of us. And yes, yes, there's some unhappy things happen in life. But we have to remember that joy and happiness aren't the same thing. Our joy is something that's powerful and it grows on the inside of us and it, and it grows and, and it brings this, this place of hope and, and, and consistency in our lives that there's this permeating view that, man, that God is for us and nothing can ultimately change that. That even in the middle of things that maybe make us unhappy in the moment, there's this baseline of joy that exists in our lives. Happiness has to do with what's happening. It has to do with the happenstance of our lives. And the, the pleasurable ones, they make us happy. And the, and the unpleasurable ones make us frustrated. And someplace along the lines, and as, as Americans, we think we have a right to happiness. That people shouldn't jack with it. People shouldn't take it. Because, of course, we, we say it. We know it. We have the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, our founding fathers understood that happiness isn't a guarantee. They just said, you got the right to chase it. You got the right to go after it. Nobody's going to get you in the way, but that doesn't mean it's going to be yours all the time. Why? Because junk happens. It happens. See, James 5 says, is anyone, in, is anyone of you in trouble? He's talking to believers. He ain't talking to just anybody out there in the world being a knucklehead away from God. Yeah, they've got trouble, of course. And he's talking to believers. Is any one of you in trouble? Trouble is a bad happening. We don't want that. Here we are supposed to be these people full of joy. How am I supposed to have joy in the middle of trouble? Well, he gives us these answers. James gives us his answers. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. That's where our joy comes from. In the middle of trouble, we're not stuck. We're not isolated. We're not on our own. We've got a God that hears and cares and we can pray. Is any one of you happy? Uh-oh. Now, instead of in trouble, things are good. Well, that, does that mean we just go, peace out, God. I'll be back when there's trouble. I'll come pray. That's my answer. I don't need to do anything now because I'm happy. No, here we go. Is any one of you unhappy? There's an answer for that part too. The, the trouble of life and the good things of life. It says, let him sing songs of praise. Give God the glory for it. When there's trouble, look to him as the answer. When there's something good, give him the glory for it. There's the usual how we deal with the happenings of life. 
Even verse 14 says, is any one of you sick? Well, I've been dealing with sickness here. Guess what I've done? I've prayed and I've called out. I've had one, somebody that I respect as an elder in our church prayed for me this morning. says <clears throat> he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. There are answers to the ups and downs of life. To say that to be full of joy means to have no trouble, then you're going to think that this joy thing just doesn't end up in the thing God really gives. We have to understand what joy is and that, that this place of joy keeps us focused on God so that we don't stay in a place of trouble. Trouble becomes these temporary things. Matthew 6 says, But seek first the kingdom of <clears throat> seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. All the stuff we worry about. And you want to go back and read the f verses before that. But it's all, the, it's all the junk we worry about all the time. It says all that will be given to you. We seek him first. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Again, this is Jesus talking. We, we, we want Jesus to just, you know, talk about, you know, sugar plums and sweet stuff. And, you know, all this. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Oh, that sounds great. I don't got to worry about tomorrow. Awesome. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Oh, Jesus, that's sounding pretty good. You were preaching good until you brought this trouble thing in here. Wait a second. Wait a second. God, you telling me not to worry? He's like, because guess what? He is sufficient. He's dealing with today. Today's grace deals with today's trouble. Tomorrow's trouble isn't here yet. That's why it can freak us out so bad and it feels like we don't have any grace for that. Anxiety becomes this crippling thing. We've got grace for today's stuff. Tomorrow hasn't even showed up yet. You don't even need that grace yet. But you go grab tomorrow's trouble and bring it into today and go, God, why do I not have grace for it yet? It ain't even here. It ain't even here. It's like trying to eat next week's sandwich. God, I know I'm going to eat it. I'm going to need a sandwich next week. I just want to eat it now and get it over with. It don't work that way. Grace is given to us as we, as we live. We have to deal with it and trust him as we go. See, Jesus was very plain about us having trouble in this world. But Jesus also prayed for us to have joy and modeled joy in the midst of pain. You hate your pain. I hate your pain. Nobody rejoices in your pain. But you know what? We can have joy in the middle of it. John 16, I have told you these things. This is Jesus talking. He's alone with his disciples. This is his upper room experience. So that in me, you may have peace. That's something that Romans talked about us having being full of. This is good. Peace. We like this. In this world, you will have trouble. Ah, Jesus, you talk about trouble too much. But take heart. Take heart. This place, this, this place where all of the issues of life begin to roll out of. Take heart. I have overcome the world. I have done it. I've conquered. I'm in control of this thing. That is what we need to do. We must stay focused on that. See, John 17, 13 says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world. So that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. This is important. 
our trusting and our and our joy are connected. When the, when if we're really going to trust God in that place where we got to fully rely on Him, it's not just mental assent. It's not just going, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could do that, or oh yeah yeah God you could do that. It's what are we going to do in the midst of it? What are we going to do in the midst of it? I've got a little video to roll about uh, uh, a man who was a, a high wire walker that, that exemplifies this for us. Never mind. Wow. Something I forgot. I forgot that our video stuff was wackadoo today. All right. Anyway, the video is basically about this this guy, Charles Blondine. You may have heard of him from years and years ago. He's the guy that strung a tightrope over Niagara Falls, and he would walk it. And he walked it a ton of times. He just drew a crowd for years and years and years, and he'd always take it to the next level. I mean, it's pretty awesome that he walked across in the Niagara Falls and would, would go from U.S. to Canada over there. I, I think that now that uh, Homeland Security wouldn't allow that anymore, but um, the, uh, back then he could do it. And uh, so he was going across, and he would do all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, it's awesome that he did it, but then he had to take it to the next level. So he walked across it on stilts one time. And then he walked across it blindfolded one time. And then he walked across it and carried out this stove, and this little wood-burning stove, and cooked an omelet in the middle of this deal, ate it, and then went across. I mean, it took him like 15 minutes in the middle of there to get this fire going, do all that stuff. I mean... He had incredible balance. He just did all sorts of crazy stuff. Finally, one day he's got a big crowd, and he grabs a wheelbarrow. He's got his wheelbarrow out there, and he gets uh, about 150 pounds of stuff, like flour and stuff, and he sticks it in there, and he walks this wheelbarrow across, and he goes back and forth multiple times, and uh, everybody's hollering and excited and all that, and he's like, who here thinks that I could carry a man in this wheelbarrow across this deal and everybody's like Woo, i can i think you can do it i think you can do it and he's like all right i need a volunteer <laughs> nobody volunteered they just watched him they saw him do it all was cool he'd never fallen ever He'd never fallen one time ever in all of his kajillion crossings. He had never fallen once. But nobody wanted to get into the wheelbarrow with the man. Folks, guess what? This is a great place for us to rah-rah and go, God, you can do it. You can do it. You can take care of us in our scariest places. But the thing is, are we going to trust him when we, actually have to, when we actually are in this scary place? Now, I'm not talking about being foolish and jumping out and creating stupid stuff. The Bible covers that. But guess what? Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle. And I guarantee you, for some reason, I woke up in the middle of a rope in the Niagara Falls. I know who I want coming for me. And it have been that guy. And we've got a helper. We've got someone who, can, who will come for us, and we have to be willing to trust him to that level. We have to do it. We have to do it. That's where the joy comes from. The joy comes from is when we know that he's got us. Does that mean that we're all smiles in the middle of it? Not necessarily. 
But there's this underlying place. We, we know this all the time. We go ride roller coasters. Why? They're fun. But they'll scare us real good. And we may do this. It's always fun to go to Six Flags and watch all the faces. Those do not look like faces of joy, most of them. Some of them do. person that's ridden it like 15 times, they're all. Some of them trying to act like they're asleep. And all sorts of stuff. But most of the people, first time or two, they're just... They would never make that face to be taken a picture of, ever. And there it is. Everybody's looking at it, laughing at them. But were they really terrified? Well, some of them maybe, but my wife was. <laughs> but most of them, there is this underlying joy, and they're ready to do it again. Because they were safe. It was okay they were going to be all right. The adventure of life may drop our stomach sometimes, but when we know that we're seat belted in with God, then you know what? Then we're that underlying joy is that same way. It is the same way. And then the, uh, <clears throat> the last piece we want to look at. Well, here we go. John 17, 13. And I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. He wants us full of joy. As believers, we're supposed to be. In Hebrews 12, remember I said Jesus is our model for this. This is one of my favorite passages of scriptures. I just love it. It makes me cry. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The author, he starts it. And perfecter, he's the finisher of our faith. At the place where we trust, where we take him at his word. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He endured the cross with joy. Now you read the, you read the gospel accounts. This is the writer of Hebrews talking. You read the guys who looked at it and give their gospel accounts. They don't talk about joy there. It's agony. It's agony. One of my favorite places in the Passion of the Christ is where Jesus is carrying that cross down the Via Dolorosa and he stumbles and he falls multiple times and, and Mary, his mom, are having the flashback scene with him falling and skinning his knee as a kid and she's seeing this and she runs up to him and he's standing up again and he goes, see, I make all things new. I'm like, ah, yes. He was so purposeful. He knew what he was doing. It was for the newness. He was excited about our lives being changed, and it is this deep said deal of joy that pushed Jesus to and through the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The enemy in the middle of our battle, he wants us to grow tired and lose heart and bail out. It's for the joy. It's for the end result that God's with us, that we stick this through and we see it all the way to completion. To live a joyful life, we need to be aware of our joy filler, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our joy filler. Jesus said it was better for him to leave. Jesus, miracle working, awesome Jesus. He spoke, it became scripture, Jesus. And it was better for him to leave when his work was completed, so that the Holy Spirit could come. Why? So that all this goodness 
from God that he wants us to have these full lives so he can come to us. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6. You became imitators of us and the Lord. These are people who did what we just talked about. Let's look at it. You became imitators of us and the Lord. Jesus pushed through with joy. It says, in spite of severe suffering. Man, suffering's bad. But he says severe suffering. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, you begin to feel like you're running low on joy. Then say, Holy Spirit, fill me fresh. Holy Spirit, fill me fresh. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking and all the regular life. We can, we can try to turn it into that, but it's not that. It's a matter of righteousness. We talked about this last week. What God says is right. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is going to grow in you if you will let him have his way. If you'll let him go as he prompts you and you trust him, he's going to grow love and then joy and peace and patience and kindness and all of these other wonderful things. Against there's, there's no law, there's no limits. We can just have them in abundance. And Luke 10, 21 says, at that time, Jesus, Jesus, again, he's our model. Full of joy. How? Same way you and I are full of joy. Through the Holy Spirit. Said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children or to the simple ones. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. He's full of joy and he's excited that the Father's going to reveal those things. To us the children that God's going to show us he's not going to leave us frustrated and and confused see God wants us to have the life that we were created to enjoy full life his life you were created for that that's why you're, you you scream for it with every ounce of your being because you were created for it and his life comes by embracing this full life and it means knowing him better and trust in him more. That's what it means. We don't get away from that. We read through the scriptures together to know him better. Why? Because as we know him, we trust him. And it changes our lives. That's what this is about. Now, folks, I want to challenge you today to get honest with God and say, God, what area of emptiness have I not let you into? You want to fill me. What place of despair and why not have I not let you allow joy to come in? What am I clinging to because I'm not trusting you? Because we all need to do that. And I want you to get honest right now. I want you to get honest. And let the Holy Spirit reveal that. Remember, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with joy. He's not holding out. He wants to. But we got to say yes to it. we got to say yes to it. And then right now, with every head bowed and creating a quiet moment, if you're here this morning and you need to connect with God, you're like, man, I'm, I, I need God. I have not embraced the life that is available in Christ. See, our sin, it demanded a death, and Jesus did a death and had no sin. So his death lays wide open for us to say, I plow, I plow my sin onto that death, and it's legal and it's right, and he takes care of it, and I trust him as my Savior. 
It's what he did it for you, for the joy, for the joy of you saying yes. He did it. So if you're here this morning and you want to say yes to that, I want you to just raise your hand. And we want to pray with you. 